Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Cross in the Desert, speaking hope and freedom to Iran. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and I want to say thank you so much once again for taking time out of your busy life to join me today on my podcast. Today is Monday, November 20th, 2023. Since October 7th of this year, when the Hamas terrorist organization left the Gaza Strip and crossed over to the border into Israel and in just a few short hours committed some of the worst violent atrocities against the Jewish people since the Holocaust. Since that day, October 7th, we have seen an unleashing of evil and hatred all over this landscape, all over the world. And as I have been reporting on this on my program and writing about this and speaking out against the anti-Semitism, I, I have decided today there needs to be an adequate response to all of this hatred. Now, in particular, I want to focus in on a radical Muslim's diatribe, I guess you could call it that, um, his unveiling of the true intentions of Islam just a few weeks in New York. I don't know if you heard this speech or saw it, but I want to comment on this. And we're living, of course, in a culture of extremism and hatred and anti-Semitism, but I want you to hear what one radical Muslim had to say just a few weeks ago. Let's listen. We're done hiding. We're done. We're done being tortured and hurt and judged. This is the correct religion. This is the religion that all of humanity needs to be a part of Islam. And we will not stop until it enters every home. So I want you to repeat after me. I want to hear it in every single district. It should tremble. Brooklyn should hear it. The Bronx should hear it. Queens should hear it. Say it as if the Ummah depends on this, my brothers and sisters. La ilaha illallah! 
God worthy of worship except Allah, the God of Jesus, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, and the God of the last and final prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That is militant. That's the only word I can come up with. Because notice the language in this little diatribe, this little speech. Islam should be in every house. Now, if he wants to sit and have a rally and talk about Muhammad and Islam and chant, that's fine. Everyone has the right, the freedom of religion here, to express their views. But this is far from just freedom of expression. It is a warning. Islam should be in every house. Notice the careful choice of words there. We are tired of being hurt. And, of course, this is in response to what's happening in, in, in Palestine, in Gaza Strip, and what's going on. It's just another form of retaliation against the Jewish people. and not mentioned here, but it's obvious this language is worldwide domination of Islam. It is the religion of the sword. And I want to respond to that. I want you to hear from the Quran itself exactly what the intent of Islam is. This is from Surah, chapter 9, verse 5 in the Quran. So when the sacred months have passed away, then slay the infidels, or idolaters, wherever you find them. And take them captive and besiege them and lie in wait for them in every ambush. Then, if they repent and keep up prayer and pay the jizra, leave their way free to them. Notice, lie in wait. Take them captive. Slay. Slay the infidels wherever you find them. Now, of course, Muslims have a response to this. This was just a claim against those that would want to harm Islam and the Prophet Muhammad, and this is a defensive posture. It has nothing to do with worldwide domination, right? No. Let's go on. The Quran again, and we're again quoting from the Quran, Surah chapter 8, verse 12. Remember when your Lord inspired to the angels, I am with you, so strengthen those who have believed. I will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieved. So strike them upon the necks and strike from them every fingertip. Strike them upon the necks and strike from them every fingertip. This is not a religion of peace as you continually hear all the time that Islam is being represented by a few radicals, but it's actually just a religion of peace. Well, okay, there may be some peaceful Muslims, but this is their holy book, and this is not peaceful. These last two verses are very violent. Well, let's go on again. Again, we're reading from the Quran, and I, 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 this is Surah chapter 9, verse 14. This is a few verses later from, from Surah 9, 5. So fight them. And Allah will punish them at your hands, put them to shame, help you overcome them, and soothe the hearts of the believers. Allah will punish them at your own hands. Again, 
I'm responding to this speech, this diatribe, this declaration a few weeks ago in, I guess, somewhere around Times Square in New York. And the language is very clear. This, this Muslim man is radical, to say the least, militant, and he wants Islam to be in every house. It's, it's no longer just the we want to just you know, talk about our religion and have the freedom to speak about it. It's we want this religion in every house. This is the one true religion. Well, we're going to respond to this this morning. And a couple of points I want to make just from the get-go. Christianity is not a religion of the sword. Christianity is all about inviting people. The language of Jesus is so far removed than the language of Muhammad. Jesus says, come to me. You who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. It is an invitation, and that is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, Jesus again, is, is inviting people, not forcing them. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone answers, I will come in and we will dine together. We'll have a meal together. I stand at the door and knock, he said to the church. There in Laodicea, I stand at your door, I knock. It's an invitation. It is not by the sword. Christianity conquers by love. So how? How do we respond to the hatred, to the violence, to the militancy that's going on here? What is the actual response? Well, let's do a contrast first. And this is courtesy of David Wood, one of Nabil Qureshi's most best friends in the world. He witnessed Nabil as a Muslim. You can read all about it in Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, an excellent book. David Wood was a Christian friend to Nabil Qureshi. And he had some very important words regarding the founder of Islam contrasting Jesus with Muhammad. And as we think about this hatred militancy, I want to read to you what David Wood said, and I think this is an appropriate response. David says, Jesus died by crucifixion. Obviously, a hideous way to die. And as he hung on the cross, skin dangling like ribbons from his scourging, he said of his tormentors, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Luke chapter 23, verse 24. Jesus had told his followers to love his enemies, to love their enemies, and he practiced what he preached. If you can love and forgive your enemies while being crucified, you've pretty much outdone yourself. His words had an impact, as we see when the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was being stoned to death. He cried out in a similar way, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, Acts chapter 7, verse 60. Now contrast that with the last dying words of Muhammad. Muhammad's death was also agonizing. He was poisoned by a Jewish woman 
whose family had been slaughtered by Muslims. But the poison worked very slowly, eating away at his organs. Now here's what he said on his deathbed. Contrast this with Jesus. May Allah curse the Jews and the Christians, for they built the places of worship at the graves of the prophets. And that's found in Ah Bakari, Book One, Eight Four Twenty Seven. Notice Muhammad's dying prayer was not a forgiveness petition like Jesus, but a curse. He was forbidding his followers to build a mosque on his grave and made his point by calling down a curse on Jews and Christians who were known for doing this sort of thing. Note the irony. Islam's second largest mosque is in fact built over Muhammad's grave in Medina. So if Jews and Christians are under Allah's curse for building places of worship, and the graves of their prophets, well, then so were Muslims. Muhammad, in effect, cursed not only unbelievers, but Muslims themselves. So you can see the response of hatred and violence. What, what's the response of Jesus, the founder, our Lord and Savior? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What's the response of Muhammad? May Allah curse the Jews and the Christians. Perhaps even a more poignant way to point out the differences between Islam and Christianity and how we as Christians should respond to a culture of hatred, I want you to hear William Federer in this very short history of Islam. Let's listen. If you say, well, Christians kill people, Muslims kill people, every religion has crazies that kill people. Uh, you sort of, you can't make a decent comparison. What I say is, forget the followers, let's look at the founders. Mm -hmm. Jesus never killed anybody. Muhammad right. killed an estimated 3,000 people. Jesus never led armies. Muhammad led armies. Jesus never owned slaves. Muhammad owned slaves. Jesus never married. Muhammad had anywhere from 11 to 22 wives. Jesus never tortured anybody. Muhammad, when he conquered Kaibar, this one city, the chief wouldn't tell where the treasure was hidden, and Muhammad had him stretched out on the ground, and they kindled a fire on his chest. Uh, Jesus didn't lie. He said, Satan's the father of liars. Muhammad permitted lying. If you feel threatened uh, by an infidel, you can lie to them. Um, and then uh, Jesus didn't force anybody to follow him. And if you, there's one uh, chapter where he multiplied loaves and fishes and has a crowd following him for a free lunch, wanting to make him king. And he says something difficult, almost intentionally, to shake away those following him for the wrong earthly reasons. Uh, but uh, Muhammad, he said, whoever changes his Islamic religion, kill him. Um, hmm. Jesus uh, never avenged insults. They're mocking him, spitting on him. Uh, Muhammad, there was a guy who had some slave girls, and he made up poems making fun of Muhammad. And when Muhammad conquered Mecca, has a list of people to kill, sort of like we handed the Taliban a list, right? And this list of people had this one guy and his three slave girls to be murdered because they made up these poems insulting Muhammad. Jesus never permitted his apostles to rape anyone. Duh, Muhammad did, right? And there's always hadiths that talk about how to do it, you know, that you're not supposed to stop short of getting him pregnant because if Allah wills for someone to come into the world, they must come into the world and so forth. Well, there you have it, William Federer, a great historian, uh, a political analyst, writing about the history of Islam and comparing Jesus and Muhammad. I think it's self-explanatory. As you hear 
and reading the Quran, and then you listen to this militant Muslim in New York, and you say, we're living in a culture of hatred, anti-Semitism, vile, vile retributions against anyone, especially Jewish people. How do we, though, as Christians respond to this? And I, I've been alluding to how we should respond, but I want to make it more personal. I want you to hear it for yourself, and, and this is the way of Jesus. This is how you and I survive and live and respond in a culture of hatred. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Jesus, of course, on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 44. Well, how can I forgive? It hurts too much. I want justice. You know, that is the common reaction. That's the cry of the human heart in response to terrorism, senseless killing, violent crimes that plague our society every day. And we look out our window or on the Internet, and we see this today. We demand justice for the evils done to us that disrupt and destroy our lives. Only when we fight fire with fire or return evil for evil, well, only then are we truly satisfied. But wait, cool down. Chill out. Is there a better way to respond to the evil and the hatred that surrounds us every day? In his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus confronts our sinful hearts with a command that utterly goes against our human nature. Love your enemies. Woo! Now wait, Jesus. You don't understand my pain. Look what they have done to the person that I love. How can I possibly love my enemies? I hate them. Well, throughout the Bible, the consistent picture of the character of God can be summed up in one word, mercy. God is patient and compassionate and merciful and forgiving. He has every right to punish us for our sins. And yet instead he shows this command, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. He shows mercy instead of judgment. That's what Jesus is saying. This is the true mark of a follower. It can be summed up in this command, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. When we obey this command, our hearts are softened. And the evil rage inside of us is quenched. Instead of becoming like our enemies, when we turn the cheek and respond with mercy just like God has done for us, we are fulfilling this royal commandment. This is the consistent teaching of Scripture. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 20, instructs Christians to show mercy and forgiveness to our enemies. Let me quote. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Let me give you a perfect example of this. Reza Khalili, a former member of Iran's Revolutionary Guard, 
witnessed brutal treatment and hatred practiced by the government, and he began to question his own Islamic faith. Years later, Christian, after reading the teaching of Jesus on loving your enemies, Reza confessed that the teaching of Jesus was revolutionary to him and caused him to embrace Christianity after struggling with his faith for many, many years. The ultimate example of loving our enemies was demonstrated by Jesus himself when while he was suffering on the cross for our sins, Jesus prayed for his executioners by uttering the most beautiful ever words spoken on his lips. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus lived by what he taught. In the midst of evil and suffering, he forgave. This is the royal commandment of Christianity. Love your enemies. It's the teaching that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Are you following the royal commandment of love today? I admit this is challenging. This is difficult. It goes against human nature, but it is what Jesus commands. It is the response to militant Islam. It doesn't mean we roll over and play dead and let people step all over us. What it does mean, instead of returning evil for evil, we love, we forgive, we pray. That is what won the heart of Reza Khalili, a militant member of Iran's Revolutionary Guard, when he read about the forgiveness of Jesus, loving your enemies. He looked at his own religion and said, there's something wrong. His religion taught to hate and to be evil and to conquer. So this is the response to the culture of hatred. And I want you to hear now a great song that demonstrates that, The Jesus Way, by Phil Wickham. Let's listen.
What a perfect song to illustrate exactly. The royal commandment of Christianity is forgive them, love your enemies, pray for them that persecute you. It is challenging to our human nature, isn't it? Our sinful human nature wants to retaliate, to return evil for evil, but this is the Jesus way. So perfectly illustrated by Christ when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. This is the testimony that one, a hardened militant member of the Iran Revolutionary Guard Corps, Reza Khalili, when he saw that Jesus prayed for his enemies and loved and forgave them, he contrasted that with Islam, and he said, Christianity is true. So it is so important to glorify God in a culture of hatred by simply loving your enemies and praying for those that persecute you. We have a perfect, perfect command that we need to share with our Muslim friends and to show them the difference between Jesus and Muhammad. I want to thank you so much for joining me today on the cross in the desert. I'll be here again on Thursday at 9.30 a.m. God bless you. Have a great week. If you have Medicare and live in the St. Louis area, you've got the best of both worlds. Medicare coverage from Essence Healthcare, plus the compassionate team-based approach to care provided by the physicians of Essa Health. Call 1-833-230-9531 or go to EssenceHealthcare.com slash best to get your free information kit. Essence Healthcare and the physicians of Essa Health, champions for a healthier tomorrow. If you have Medicare and live in the St. Louis area, you've got the best of both worlds. Medicare coverage from Essence Healthcare, plus the compassionate team-based approach to care provided by the physicians of Essa Health. Call 1-833-230-9531 or go to EssenceHealthcare.com slash best to get your free information kit. Essence Healthcare and the physicians of Essa Health, champions for a healthier tomorrow.